Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Absolutely. I'm so happy about this interview. I mean, we all like our guests in our interviews, but, but Steve Strauss is really one of us. He is an entrepreneur. He is an author. 
he covers small businesses. He's got a brand new book, everybody, brand new. It is coming out tomorrow on Amazon. So we're going to talk about that and how we can order the book and, and, and help Steve not only sell his book, but also how we can let Steve help us on becoming better entrepreneurs, better small business owners. And that means when I say better, that means better in terms of our revenue, that we don't keep working 24 seven, those of us who still might think that's a status symbol, which I totally do not agree with, but we're gonna learn from Steve Strauss. And so, and I will talk about Kobe, the collaboration of brilliant entrepreneurs. That's our coaching program for entrepreneurs. So I'll chime in from time to time and Steve's gonna be with us. He may not be with us for the entire hour. So I'm encouraging you to stay tuned, listen. He's got a full schedule, but we are so happy, Steve, to welcome you to Breakfast with Champions, the Millionaire Club. So how are you today? Hey, Jude. Great to be here. I'm great and great to be back with all my friends on Clubhouse and especially Breakfast with Champions. Thanks so much for, well, for having me here today. I love it. Well, we're so excited. And I know that's an overused word sometimes, but I really am excited. First of all, it's fun for an interviewer to interview an interviewer. So, <laughs> so that's that's always fun. I always enjoy that. So that's great. And well, first of all, I do, you, you also are a reporter for small businesses on USA Today. What kind of are you still doing that work as well? I'm not a reporter. I'm I'm actually the senior small business columnist for USA Today. Oh, you're a columnist. Okay. Yeah. All right. Explain that to us because and then how we would what kind of stories you're interested in. Sure. So um, I've been writing with USA Today for <laughs> quite a long time, uh, and you know I I love small business. I like so many people who own their own business, like so many entrepreneurs. Uh, I grew up in a small business family. My dad took a single little carpet store in Southern California back in the 60s and turned it into the biggest chain of carpet stores in California uh, at, back at that time. And we grew up around the dinner table talking about you know, business and marketing and hiring and firing. And I, in fact, I remember, you know, I was about seven or eight and I was given an assignment to say what my dad did for a living and um, right back in the day. And um I, so I said, well, I couldn't say, you know, it's not like doctor or lawyer. I couldn't figure out how to say retail carpet store owner. So I said, Dad, well, what do I say that you do? And he said, well, Stevie, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. And I, you know, it was back when no one used that word, especially when you're seven years old. What? He said, well, an entrepreneur is a person who takes a risk with money to make money. A person who takes a risk with money to make money. I thought that, that was sounded pretty cool. Obviously, I thought it sounded pretty cool because I spent my whole life being one and covering them. So, you know, what I do, my passion in life is helping people start, run, grow, and succeed in their own small business. I worked, I'm also a lawyer, although I, as you know, Jude, I came to my senses. I don't practice anymore. <laughs> um, but you know what I love, you know, I worked for a big law firm and um, was fired. And that was the biggest blessing of my life because it allowed me to finally start my own business, which I'd always wanted to do. And I started my own law firm and it was good and I liked it. Uh, but you know what? I wasn't a great lawyer. And in fact, I liked the business part of my law firm more than the law part. I liked finding clients and stuff like that. And so when USA came knocking on my door and asked me, we're, you know, we're looking for a lawyer who's been published, who could write about small business to be a columnist. I thought, oh, I'll raise my hand. That's me. And so I was lucky enough to get to do that. And that's what I, to, to this day, among the many hats I wear, like everybody, that's one of my main hats, of course. 
before we get on to the book, because I'm really, I really want to know about this book too, Steve. Uh, the, an interesting career, and I thought that was kind of fun that at seven your dad was teaching you about being right. an entrepreneur. So it's kind of in your DNA. So you, you grew up with it. Uh, that's interesting. So, but but uh, back to your column for USA Today. Do you look for anyone to approach you about story ideas or what are your best columns that you get the most response on? How does that work for you? Oh, wow. That's a great question. And the, the answer is yes and yes. Um, okay. So, so, I mean, I get four columns a month, so I have very limited real estate. You know, there's only you know, each column is about 600 words. And so that's, you know, it's limited. So I find things that I'm interested in that I think the people who read my column um, would be interested in. And, and that's what I write about. Mostly it's about how to, as I said, start and grow your business. And it's usually a different idea or strategy, but often it's a profile of someone. So I am um, pitched all, all day long. If I told you, I'd probably get 20 pitches a day from entrepreneurs, mostly from PR firms who want me to write about their client or write about their client's book or write about their client's new app or whatever it is. I can only say yes, you know, rarely, but I do say yes for sure. So, um, so that's how I get in, you know, and then I just, I'm an entrepreneur myself. I own a content creation business. I, you know, I think, what's, what do I need to learn? And what do I think other people need to learn? And how can I, how can I share that in a fun, interesting, entertaining way? Cause that's half my job too, I think. Everybody who is listening to us right now, uh, if you ever do consider that you may have a story idea that you could be a profile about you or your business, do read Steve's columns first before you approach him. And that's kind of standard of all across the board. Uh, everybody's story is not right for everybody. You know, when I was in, Steve, I just, you don't know this, but I was in public relations before I crossed over right. to television for TV news and, and TV talk. And, and people would say, some of my clients, when I was in PR, they thought they were right for every single magazine, newspaper, TV show, and, and it's up to us to, to educate them and say, no, this doesn't belong there. You know, that's not what they cover. Yeah. So always read the reporter or the interviewer, watch the interviewer beforehand, before you approach them. You, you'll At least they know you've done your homework, you know, to see the kind of stories they're interested in. That's a great I tip. You, Can I just give a couple more tips for how to get Absolutely. Yes sure. Great. So, so because as I said, I'm pitched a lot and you know, you've done the pitching yourself, Jude, and have been pitched, I'm sure. Um, so what I want is someone who, know, as you just said, knows what I write about, right? Don't pitch me a medical device, which I've had a lot of people, I don't know how that happened. I'm on some list somewhere, right? But, you know, small business and not just a story about your business because no one wants that. You have to give me a hook. You have to give the reporter, the producer, the interviewer, the, you know, TV person, whatever it is, a re something different, right? Man, dog bites man is not a story, as we say, but man bites dog is a story. So something a little unique, yeah. different, special that fits my audience. And don't send me or anyone a five-paragraph press release. I don't want to read it. You wouldn't want to read it. Uh, but a pithy, interesting, short, snappy email with a great subject line and a unique take, that's going to get someone's attention. And at least you're going to get in the front door uh, easier with something like that. That's what I say. Yeah, do you, do you agree with that? I, I totally do. Less is more because, you know, I can tell you about newsrooms. I know that more than 
than uh, print rooms, but I can tell you about a TV station. It is it is hectic all the time, and reporters across the board, print, broadcast, television, it doesn't matter what it is. Everybody's on deadline, and everybody's busy all the time, and, and the pitching. But I, but I just want to say one thing before we leave this, Stephen. I totally concur with everything you said. I got I got pitched when I was, and I don't really, I, when I was doing television, my, my whole TV time, I did have co-producer on a lot of things because I, I was, I wanted to have what, you know, input about what went in on our shows and who I interviewed. But I never really booked people and scheduled that. But sometimes the PR firm, I'd be walking by the phone, nobody was answering, I'd pick it up. And one PR publicist wanted to be wanted me to do a story on their new book and a client's new book. And I, I laughed so hard. She said, she said, Hello, Julie. I thought you'd be interested in the book. And I said, you know, I, I mean, I knew her boss. I knew the one who owned the woman who owned the agency, the PR firm. And I thought it's always a good idea. I mean, Julie's a great neat. It's just that it's not my name, you know, and so it's a, <laughs> it's a great idea to know the person's name. Yeah, that so, would help for sure. Yeah, absolutely, Steve. And then I want to move on to uh, before we get to the book, which is really exciting. And I, I can't wait for our listeners and, and everyone to chime in on this and hear and ask any questions if they have them. But what do you think? When people say, I want to be my own boss, when I, we, we have the entrepreneurial coaching program. When people, and it's for seasoned entrepreneurs, by the way, people who are established, some brick and mortar employees, things like that. But when people say, I want to be my own boss, I don't think you ever work as hard when you're an entrepreneur. You may love it more. But what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that uh, someone who's just newly getting into a small business and becoming an entrepreneur? You know, that's I've written about that a lot and have thought about that a lot because, I, like you, I've coached a lot of people who want to start their own business and have done so successfully. Uh, I, I think the first thing is, you know, you've got to be a risk taker. Uh, you know, like as you said, for the book, like your small business boom, my new book, I interviewed all lots of entrepreneurs, and all of them are risk takers. But the best entrepreneurs aren't wild risk takers. Sometimes you have to take a kind of a crazy risk, but the best ones are prudent risk takers they try to reduce the risk to the extent they can but risk is always going to be part of the game if you're going to start your business and you better like it and and that's also where the juice is i think that's kind of the fun of this whole thing that you get to take a risk and see if it works and it will and sometimes it won't and that's the way it goes and that's why we don't want to take you know bet put all your money on one chip you know kind of bets we want to be smart and prudent so you have to be a risk taker and you have to be willing to live with uncertainty i think a lot you know it's Nice when you have a job. One of the nice things when you have, as I said, a job. I didn't like having a job, but some people did. Uh, you, know, you, but when you have a job, at least, you know, you have a steady income. You have benefits. You have work because someone else is the rainmaker and they're giving you work to do, and so you don't have to think a lot about it. So you have to be willing to give all that up and live with some uncertainty, um, and then have a lot of initiative. Uh, th those are, to me, the, the the main traits of entrepreneurship. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And it's not for the faint hearted, by the way. Um, and, and I know that it, you probably have great stats on this, how many small businesses fail in their first few years. And, and I would say one of the biggest reasons is that people are not realistic. You know, they're just not. I mean, when you work for a company, you're used to if you need a new computer, you just put in a work order. You know, right. you need a new computer. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur, you got to think, can, can we is this in the budget? You know, can we do this? Can we do a new website? You know, whatever. So and you're managing people and in some cases, payroll, payroll and and all of the rest of it. And and I, I don't know if you find this, Steve, with the coaching that you do, but I find one of the biggest challenges for entrepreneurs and small business owners is delegation. Uh, they just, I mean, because, I mean, you mentioned you have your law background, your background, you are a columnist and you're, you're an author. You have a, a lot of repertoire there. However, having said that, uh, we may be really good at everything, but it doesn't mean we should be doing everything. So I would like you to comment on that. So absolutely. In fact, I have 
a chapter in the book called um, The Millionaire Solopreneur. Like, if you're a one-person business, how do you scale it? Because it's awfully hard. If you are, as you just said, you the only one doing the work, you're, there's a limit as to how much you can do. So how are you going to scale your business if you're a, a small, and even if you're not a solopreneur, you're a small business, you're a micro business, you have one employee, three, four, five, which is most small businesses. Well, you have to get help. You have to find people who fill your gaps, right? Like like in, in Rocky, you know, Rocky once said to Paulie, you know, I like Adrian, I shouldn't do this, but because hey, she fills my gaps. And he's like, well, what gaps? Well, I have gaps and she has gaps and we fill each other's gaps. And that's actually the hallmark of a great small business. You have team members who fill your gaps and you fill their gaps. So maybe you're great at marketing and your partner's great at the money part. Okay, then together you can grow your business. So the way to, to scale a small business is to take it is to get people to help you and get an assistant if you don't have an assistant right get a tech person if you don't have a tech person you know it doesn't cost it pays as they say and i really think it makes all the difference in the world if you try and do it all yourself you can't do it all yourself and you're going to limit yourself and you're going to spend so much time doing minutiae you're not going to spend your time growing your business so you're much better as an entrepreneur you know, if you don't have an assistant, then you are an assistant. You don't want to be the assistant when you're the entrepreneur. You're the brains behind the operation. You're the talent. You're the person who makes it happen and gives people quality work, products, services, whatever it is. Well, you're not going to be able to do that if you're doing all the other little stuff too. So find someone to do the little stuff and then get people to, to help you grow. You have a vision. You want to try a new profit center. Bring on some people who can help you do it. And then if you make money, then then it's going to grow and you're going to have even more time and, and have more fun, right? Because you're not just doing it all yourself all the time. That's a mistake we all make, me included. You, you know, you've probably seen these, and I've read some of these studies that burnout, yes, about delegation, but it's also about, I mean, just because you can do it well, as I said earlier, doesn't mean that you should do everything well that we're just discussing. But also, we're all better at some things. I mean, like I can write checks, but I, I have, you know, we use Quicken. I can do that, but why should I? I mean, that's just the best use of my time. So there are a lot of things that I can do, but I don't like doing. And that's where I think another, a lot of entrepreneurs make a mistake. Yes, you can do it, but maybe you don't like doing it. So it's not only taking your time, you're less productive, you're less profitable, and you're also not doing what you love. And so that's that's part of it. And as you said, you know, you're the talent or you're the what I mean, you're the one that can, you know, you, you're the if people want to hear you speak about your book, they want you. They don't want your right, assistant. Yeah. And so that's, I think that's one of the, that's a big mindset for people to change and embrace. What are some of the other areas? Well, so in fact, I, so I named the book, Your Small Business Boom. All right. That's the name of the book. So why did I name it that? Well, look, at we have all been through really a hard year and a half, um, as we all well know, and small businesses took the brunt of it. And throughout COVID, what did I do? I kept interviewing these different entrepreneurs who we're figuring, figuring it out, right? And I interviewed, you know, famous entrepreneurs, um, Richard Branson, people like that, and not so famous entrepreneurs, but all of them had their different ideas, strategies, secrets, tips. And I would write my column about it and I would learn some stuff. And finally, in the middle of COVID, and, and you know, my small business brothers and sisters were having such a hard time. I thought, well, how can I help? What can I do? I thought, you know, I could take these ideas that people have been sharing with me for 20 years, but especially the last year, two years, and put them together, make them digestible, make them interesting, make them actionable, because that's what I'm good at, 
and share them. And so the idea was, how can you not just survive during COVID, but how can you thrive, especially as we're slowly entering this post-COVID world? How do you create a boom? How do you, can you boom your business? So each chapter of the book is a different strategy, tried and true, done by different people to take your business to another level. Right, whatever that level is, whether you're, as I said, a solopreneur and you want to scale it a little bit, or you have 50 employees and you need some new profit centers, whatever it is, there's, there's an idea and strategy in, in your small business boom that can help you. And I'm not here just to talk about selling books. You're right. I don't want to just, of course, I want to sell books. I'm an entrepreneur. But what I really want people to do is understand that there are lots of ways to take your business to the next level. I'll, I'll give you, you know, I once did a, an entrepreneurship seminar in the it was really interesting exercise. The 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 leader the you know the took said it. We had about a hundred of us. He put us all on one side of the room and he said, "I want everyone to go to the other side of the room one by one, but to get there you have to get across in a way that no one else got across the room." So we were all kind of quizzical, but the first person walked across the room, and then the second person skipped across the room, and then the third person hopped across the room. And I was about you know number thirty five or thirty eight. Like, how am I gonna and I twirled around the room. And in the end, a hundred of us got to the other side of the room in a hundred different ways. And so that's the idea. You know, there isn't just one way to scale your business. There isn't just one way to create your boom, but there are lots of ways and there's lots of strategies. So, and a lot of them aren't very, very expensive. And so you try some on, you find a new profit center and there you go. You're, you're kicking COVID's butt. That's what I want to do. I love that exercise, and, and and we've done a version of that, but not with a hundred people, by the way. Um, so uh -huh. I thought that was that was very cool, because it just goes to show how innovative you can be um, yes. when you when you put your mind to it and your creative part of yourself onto it. And you know, I mean, I'll just tell you this very quick story, Steve. Only because you you were in a, a, in your former life, you were an attorney. Yeah. We have a we have a couple of attorneys in our our uh, Kobe program, and and. It is just really funny how people's mind shifts, you know, when they when the lights go on for different ways. And and now this one attorney, you know, when people call up and they want to talk to you and they're they're kicking tires basically, so to speak, he doesn't take those calls anymore unless he charges for them. And he charges like two hundred dollars for that initial call wow. before he even gets on he before he even gets on the phone to say hello. Well, because now if I referred, like, say you needed him, he, he, if you did, I would refer you. He wouldn't, he wouldn't charge you that fee because you came in as a referral. But if someone comes in from the website, he said, chances are they're not serious. And he said, if they're, if they at least have $200, it's a little, as they say, which is an expression I don't like, but it's a little skin in the game, so to speak. Mm -hmm. He said, then, then you know that they're a little more serious. But I mean, that's just an idea of, of he never would have thought about this. You know, but but in this collaboration, we start to really think. And then the more that someone else is creative, that helps you be more creative and you're thinking. So I love that story because that, that going across the down the down the aisle on one side of the room. And it's the same thing with this attorney. I mean, believe me, on his own, he would not have thought about that. And that's why I like collaboration. That's why I want to get to your book, why I cannot wait to order your book tomorrow. Because that's when you, is it it's you, you it's on Amazon. Today. Actually, it's already shipping. So if you want to order today, that's okay too. Well, I, I do I because because here's why I <laughs> I want to order it and then I want to order it for the, my members that are in my group. Who are in my group? Um, and my because yes, they learn from me in our process and all of that. But I know they're going to learn from you, and so that's really important. And so I do want to do that. Now about the book, and if you if you say, I mean, you you covered a, a number of topics in it. I read the outline on it. I don't have the book yet, as we just said, but I read the outline on it and visited the website. Hey, give us that website, would you please, while we're talking yeah, about that well, right thanks. now. It's, 
It's smallbusinessboom.com. That's smallbusinessboom.com. Yeah, well, we can remember that. Okay. Uh, so we have that now, the website. But, but you talked about, I mean, everyone's talking about generating money while you sleep and then using webinars, podcasts. It's very difficult, Steve, for most of us. And even, even when you have staff, and I have staff, and I was just on a coaching call this morning, and then I had a meeting with the podcast person who's helping with some video because I want to have video for my podcast. Anyway, we're, I, I mean, we're all really busy is my whole point. Uh, how do you feel or where do you feel, if you can, if you can differentiate for us, where entrepreneurs, especially if we don't have a staff of thousands, but I mean, in my case, I have, I have a team, but small team, where do we build our time on our, I mean, do you think LinkedIn for entrepreneurs or do you say all of it? Where do you think in the social media realm, where should we be? We're spending most of our time. That'll be most advantageous to us. So it depends on what our goals are. If, if we're trying to learn something, then, you know, that's, you'd go to wherever you would go right entrepreneur.com or, or the USA Today small business page where I write, or I have a site called the self-employed, right? There's no shortage of places where people could go to learn things. But if you're trying to find clients, right? If you're trying to get your product, your business, your service in front of people, well, then that that's going to be altogether different, right? And we don't want to go to the social media site that we love. We want to go to the social media site that they love. Okay. And, and so what you have to do is know what your customers' habits are, right? And how do you find that out? Well, poll them, right? You can do a poll on your website. You can have a poll in your store. You can do a survey. And you want to find out what do they watch, read, listen to, right? Are they on Clubhouse or are they on Twitter, right? And, and different people go, gravitate to different things. And so first of all, where we should be spending our time is, if we want to grow our business, is where are our tribe is and where our customers and our potential customers are go there. And then we want to put our business in front of them. So, uh, so for example, I have a chapter called creating clickable content because one of the strategies a lot of people use these days is creating is content marketing, right? Creating content to create eyeballs. And then those eyeballs learn about your business and they come into your store. They come to your website. They come to your Amazon store, whatever it is. So you have to create content that your tribe also would find interesting. So whether it's something written, you got then you create a great piece of content. Interesting, you give it a you give it a great headline. I teach people how to write great headlines in the book, and um, and then you link it to your website. Then you put it out there. You put it on your social. You put it in your e-newsletter. You share. You might even buy some. Google ads, some Facebook ads to share your content. Not the worst idea because, because that's really how you exponentially grow. Uh, if, if I told you how much big companies advertise on Facebook, I mean, you know, I saw this thing that, that Business Insider had like a thousand ads one certain week on Facebook. Why is Business Insider advertising on Facebook? Because it works. And if it works for them, it can work for us. So that's the idea I keep wanting to share that, Look, there are ways to grow your business that work that other people have tested. So we don't have to be the guinea pigs. We don't have to make the big mistakes. We don't have to take the big risk. We can find out something that worked for someone else and copy it. That's what I think really works. And, and along that line, I mean, I just heard today, I, I never even thought about this for LinkedIn, because for many of us, we are entrepreneurs on this app on Clubhouse, and we are entrepreneurs, and, and I have a two clientele. I have executive, that C-suite clientele, and then the entrepreneurial clientele. So 
I'm, I'm starting to focus a little more on LinkedIn because I feel that's where my, my target market would be. So I think that's to your point, you know, knowing where your customers are, your, your, your avatar and going deep with that. So now you mentioned polls. Do, do you use polls like for instance on LinkedIn? You know, I've never used a LinkedIn poll, but I do use polls. I wouldn't say a lot, but sometimes, but sometimes I really do. Like I was launching a new Facebook group uh, and the Facebook group is about how to get bigger, higher paying clients. Cause you know, one of the strategies I really love is if you're a small business and you only sell to, for example, other small businesses or, or the public, you know, there's a limit to how much those people can pay you. Whereas if you target bigger paying customers for, you know, corporations, governments, high net worth into individuals, those big money clients have big money budgets. <laughs> we like big money budgets, right? So that this is a strategy that I did <laughs> yes. in my own business. To, to, I quadrupled my income once in, for, in two years by just, instead of selling to smaller people, I started targeting corporate clients um, and they had corporate budgets. It made a huge difference. And, and that's another way that, that people grow. And so when I was creating this LinkedIn, this, I'm sorry, this Facebook group to go back to the, the question, I, I wanted to figure out what's the best name for the group. And uh, the name that I thought I was going to name the group was polled at 15% and a couple other names that I threw out there that I didn't think would be interesting. One of them polled at like 60%, like, Oh, I'm going to name the group that instead of what I thought it was going to be. So polling your people can make a big difference. You know, I, I read that Tim Ferriss got the name, the four hour work week by polling people by finding out, you know, he didn't think that was going to be a really popular name, but it turned out that's what people really liked. And boy, the people knew, right. There was, there was some crowdsourcing there that really worked. That's interesting. You know, Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen, and when they were doing a chicken soup for the soul, that whole mega, mega empire that they created with, uh, with those books, yeah. they, they did the same thing. You know, they did a lot of polling and, and polling and polling. And then Jack tells the story beautifully. He woke up at three o'clock in the morning and he thought it's chicken fruit, chicken soup for the soul. <laughs> so he had to call Mark in the middle of the night. And anyways, that's all history now, as they say, boy, yeah. what, a, what a phenom there. So Steve, do you have a couple minutes if we have any questions from our mods on stage? You, you bet. Uh, love to. Do, okay. Yeah, I, okay. I got about five minutes. I, okay, sorry. great. If, if anyone has a question, this is your wonderful opportunity to ask Steve Strauss, the author of Small Business Boom. Uh, so anybody have a question? Because I could have millions of questions for Steve, and I have them for limited time. So this is the time to ask your question. If there's anyone in the audience who would like to ask a question and what we call our listening lounge, uh, please raise your hand, and we will invite you up to the stage to ask your questions. Anybody? I'll take a quick scan here. If I don't see anyone, I'm going to proceed. I don't see anyone. I think you're covering everything beautifully. That's usually a good indication, Steve, when no one has a question because they're just writing as fast as they can and taking <laughs> good notes. So I will also proceed here for a moment. So I want to talk a bit about um, the, oops, sorry, I cut up the larger company here because I think that's a big leap for some people. And, and I mean, some people, one of my friends was coaching someone to talk about uh, raising fees and, and he's a, a consultant and he was talking with her about this, this client who wanted to raise fees and, and he told her that she was, she should be charging $50,000 an hour. I mean, not an hour. We all should be charging that, right? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I don't mean an hour. I mean, for her services yeah. and, and, and she was charging something like $20,000. And so when she, so they did some role playing. And so she then, she was, she was the client and she was saying her price and she said, 
well, my fee is $50,000. Of course, I could go less if you'd like me to. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, people have a hard time making that leap sometimes. You want to talk a bit about that? And yeah. how, I, I guess maybe the better question to ask, the better question would be how to position your services so your client hears the value of that fee increase going to larger clients. How, how do we position our value? That might be the better question. Absolutely. And let me, and let me answer the first question first. Look at it. If you, don't okay. give yourself, if you don't give yourself a raise, no one's going to give you a raise because you're the boss now, right? That's when we're on our own business, we're the boss. And so no one's going to give us a raise unless we try and do it and give it to ourselves. So if we're going to be the boss, Let's make sure we're a good boss and we give ourselves time off and we give ourselves raises and all the things we want an outside boss to do, we got to do for ourselves. And the way to do that, as you just said, is to position yourself as unique, different, better, and special because people will pay you more if you're that. And if you have a name and a brand, right, who would you rather buy coffee from, Joe's uh, Coffee Shack or, or Starbucks? Well, you know, you, most or who would you rather work with? Well, of course, people would rather work with Starbucks because that's a name brand. And so we as small businesses have to create our own unique, special brand. It's never going to be as well known as a giant corporation. But within our space, if we create a consistent brand, a valuable brand, if we work with some big money clients, we share that Then share that on your website. Like my first big money client was Microsoft. Well, I'll tell you to this day, I tell people that I, be, I became a content creator for Microsoft and I was there columnist and that I was their influencer. Why? Because that's impressive. And, you know, and it tells other corporations, this is a safe person to hire. He, he delivered, he delivered for a world-class company like Microsoft. Well, any of us can do that. If we have brands that we work with, that we sell to that, or whatever it is, let's leverage that to our benefit. So, you know, there's two ways to get two ways to get these bigger money clients. You can find them or they find you. They find you is the preferred way to do it and that happens when you have a consistent brand it, you and it's out there on social it's out there on clubhouse it's out there on your website it's in your advertising and then people will begin to notice and then that's how you position yourself to be able to get more money and then you don't have to just raise your prices across the board you can test it test it small see if it works see if people balk if they don't then you know that that higher price is going to work that's great advice. And I, and I do think that for many people, we take what we do for granted too, because it's what we do, you know, and then we, and we sometimes don't place the emphasis on the value that it's helping other people that we're with the services that we do, the coaching that we do, our processes, uh, whatever, whatever we are offering to clients that so oftentimes it's what we take for granted because we know it and we assume that other people know it or, or it's just because it's who we are. And so I think sometimes we don't put enough value on that. At least that's what I've seen with some of the entrepreneurs that we're coaching uh, when, when, we, when they start thinking about valuing time and brag. You know, we, we, Steve, I'll just say this quick story. But in 2019, before COVID, we sat down and figured out the kind of income that we knew that people made. We don't always know about it, but if you save, happen to be a high-level executive, it's going to cost three to five hundred thousand dollars to replace, and they call it the journey save. So we save them that money, and then two years later, he's made senior partner. Well, that's a lot of money. That's just one mm -hmm. firm. So I'm, I'm not talking about all the firms, and it's not all in one year, but it's it's in the millions overall. 
So I think sometimes we don't stop and look at that. And what do you think about that of encouraging when you know results? You don't always know the results. I mean, sometimes the results are emotional results. Someone who just was so nervous about speaking and now they, they love to speak. So, I mean, if, if, but, but how do you help people put the value on the result? Because that's, that's what I like to focus on. Well, you have to see how, how, how that result works for other similar, similarly situated people. And so then if, if you created a great result for other people and they've made money or they've gotten products or they've gotten services or they grew their business or whatever it is you do, you help them do, and it worked for them, then you have to be able to share it. Then you have a track record and you can share that with others. And, and so it's been great. I hate to cut it short. I've got another interview I've got to go do. I know you do. Yes. Um, yeah, I do. But you know what? I, I love, thank you so much. It's so great to be here with, with, in clubhouse and on breakfast with champions and i just want to tell everybody we can do it right it, it, you know it sometimes it's scary sometimes it's hard we're here today learning from one another every day whatever day it's fantastic and uh you keep the faith you try some new ideas the book i'll be the entrepreneur again it's called your small business boom it's here to help you and i hope it does help you and uh or you know learn from your other peers it's, it's all good Steve, you were so gracious. I know you had another, you have another interview. Thank you. And I, I appreciate that you were here. And, and I can't say enough. You gave us the website. We can go to Amazon and get the book today. I thought it was going to be tomorrow. So I can actually order it this afternoon. And I will when I'm off this call, this, this clubhouse with you interview. Thank you again, Steve. And look forward to uh, reading the book. And just give us one last sentence, the best reason to buy the book. Oh, if you want to boom your business, this is how do you boom it? With your small business boom. <laughs> Keep up the great work. Dude. Great soundbite. Bye-bye. Great soundbite. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. You heard it from Steve Strauss. You are in the Breakfast with Champions Transformational Thursday room. Glad that you are here. I know we have some mods on stage. We have people in the audience. Would anyone like to ask a question about or make a comment about your entrepreneurial business? If so, please raise your hand. We will invite you to come up to the stage. In the meantime, know that Breakfast with Champions, we have programming that starts at 5.30 in the morning, maybe even 5 o'clock, and it's going for about 15, 18 hours. You will have motivation, inspiration, and education, just like we had just now with Steve. And all the mods are doing such a great job to serve you and to provide information for you, whether it's your entrepreneurial business, it's your, your personal growth. And I'd love to hear some comments and some feedback on anyone who just listened to the interview with Steve. So please raise your ham or hands and mods. If you have anything to contribute here, please do so. Uh, I don't know if Princeton is still with us or not. I see your mod badge there, but if you are, uh, anyone just please raise your hand, uh, chime in, love to hear from you. And if not, then I am going to proceed because I will tell you this, that I learned from Steve just, just in the conversation that we had from him, that we had with him prior to this. And then of course, for today as well uh, in the interview just now. And, and I will encourage you to get his book. I mean, I have not read it yet, but I've been reading about it on his website. And I think that all of us and myself included, I coach entrepreneurs. I've been coaching Kobe collaboration of brilliant entrepreneurs. This is our, fifth year this month. Uh, my charter members are still with me. We are going to expand it to an online Kobe intensive. Right now, the master is here in Los Angeles. And so people come to LA and do the coaching program quarterly. Uh, our quarterly is coming up in two or three weeks, it is. And so I love learning about my business and how to be a better entrepreneur. 
And if anybody has any tips on that, I'd be so happy for you to come on stage and share them with us because being an entrepreneur, as you just heard from Steve, is not for the faint of heart. And delegation is something that we talked about earlier today with him. Delegation is really challenging. And people will say one of the biggest reasons, especially in that solo entrepreneur space, and when you're in that first one to three years, people have a really hard time thinking about delegation. They think, well, I don't have the budget for that, or I don't have the cash flow for that. But here's, here's how I want to help you with this, is that you can delegate, and, and maybe you don't have the budget for it. But I was coaching some solo entrepreneurs, and one of them is just beginning her journey. And she said, I just don't have the budget for it. And then we started talking about, well, what if you, what if you could find someone who could contribute to your business, and you could contribute to them? And, and she thought about that. And long story short, she found someone in her community who wants to do what she's doing. And, and she's going to work for, for my client as, a, as for not charging so that she can learn more about the art world. And then, and then she's going to act as a social media. That's her expertise. So she's helping Mike. And there's no, there's no exchange of revenue there. It's exchange of services. And this has been going on for, I don't know, three or four months now, I think. So there's different ways. There are colleges that can help you that want to learn about your businesses. They have internship programs. And so much is done online now. You know, you don't even have to have someone in your office if you don't have space for it. Now, when we work with Kobe, our master, that's a seasoned program. So these are seasoned entrepreneurs. These are people who have been in business for five years or more. In fact, that's a criteria. They have brick and mortar, some of them. They have staff. They have teams. Uh, one, of my, um, um, one of my members is right now going for his second series round of investments. So it's a mix. It's a mix of people that are, that are in different fields, e-commerce. I just mentioned cyberspace uh, that he's in and, and law firms. And, and so it's a mix of, of people for the collaboration. They have staff, but they still, by the way, P.S., even if you're an established entrepreneur listening, Right now, entrepreneurs have a challenging time sometimes giving up control. And I've had, I have clients and I've had clients and I've heard of clients who have been running their own businesses only to find out that they are not the best CEO. And so they need to often step back and do what they do best. And then they hire a CEO to run the organization. So if you've had any similar instances or anything you'd like to share with us right now, or you have some questions, gosh, I'd really love to hear from you because this is the place to talk about entrepreneurship. I'm excited about it. Steve said that he's excited about it. His dad taught him about it when he was seven years old, about taking risks. And, and, and we both said it's, it's, it's got to be a labor of love. And by the way, there's, there's so many ups and downs in being an entrepreneur. And I've said before, it's not for the faint of heart. And so if you have your stories of what you've been able to overcome, this is a great time to share. Or as I said, if you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. Go ahead. I hear somebody open a mic. Hey, Jude, it's Christina. Hey, Christina. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Good, good. Great to see your smiling face here. Thank you. Jude, okay, so you mentioned um, internship from the colleges. Um, also, I don't think I heard you um, say it, but also uh, in the universities, if they, if people would reach out to their the universities in their areas, a lot of time the undergraduate students they need volunteer hours to uh, as requirement for graduation. So that's another good way for them to uh, get help from the undergraduate students in the area at the universities that need those volunteer hours in order to graduate. This is Christina and Ben speaking. 
That's exactly right, Christina. Thank you for bringing that up. And, and, you know, as long as they're learning something, I know the universities, because we used to use entrepreneurs when I first started out, by the way, when I was still doing television, and I was starting my, my entrepreneurial business as well. And we used the, we had utilized the advantages of, of um, interns. And the reason that interns would like to enter intern with us we found out was because they were actually learning things and so sometimes people would take advantage of that they used to but i think the, the i think people have really clamped down on that now the universities have but just think about this you're actually doing them a favor to get real world experience in whatever field that you're in and and but that's so advantageous i mean we we have one of, one of my friends came to one of my she's best friend now but she was one of my, my assistants and she came to us in her senior year of college and and she said I not I never should I wish I'd spent all four years interning with you, but it's because they get real world experience, and that's what we want to make sure that they're not just um, you know just putting database in all day you know information in the database that they're getting a whole well rounded you know exposure to your clients how how it works see you in person you know whether you're speaking coaching so that's a great tip Christina thank you so much and I don't know if anyone else has anything else they'd like to add to this or a question they would like to ask yes I think Monica does hello Monica. Hello, Jude. Thank you for having Steve. I appreciate that. This is Monica. Oh, you're welcome. This is Monica in the turquoise ring. I should have said that first. Um, two things I just wanted to quickly share. It in talking about small business in America, and I know that this is not strictly an American audience, and I, I, I am sensitive to that. I, I would like though to acknowledge how many people we have here in this room, and who will listen to this podcast, who are nervous about going out on their own. And if you are in America, um, there there is, in my opinion, no better place to do that. And uh, it, all you have to do is look around you and see the tremendous success that people have had who have no education, relatively little education, all kinds of different backgrounds who strike out and and they they take on the American sort of blessing of free enterprise. My grandfather uh, had an eighth grade education. He grew up in an orphanage and yet he started a business and employed all his sons in the business and had a tremendous life and built a wonderful family. And, and, and it's just really a blessing to be able to have that opportunity. That's the first thing I'd like to say. The second thing is that it strikes me how as a small business person, I'm in this myself, and it, I think it's very common. We get into small business very often because we have a particular skill or a passion or an affinity for something that we can serve with. And then we go through these phases where we begin at first doing everything ourselves, like Steve was talking about, and then we begin to hire out and hire out and delegate and whatnot. And, and what very often happens, and certainly happened for me, is that we begin to realize that we are no longer doing the thing that we loved, which got us into business in the first place. And I believe Kate talked about that as well when she was doing her book discussion. And that's a really important um, inflection point. When you start hating your business, it's really important to recognize why and have you taken yourself out of your area of genius, your zone of genius. That would be something that, um, that Amelia, if she were in the room, would be talking about too, right? Because we all have our area, our sweet spot, where we really just use our gifts, our talents, and it makes us happy and feeds our soul. And when we pull, get pulled away from that into things like Michael Gerber would talk about, like if you're a visionary and you get into stuck in a technician role, for example, it might just really drain the soul and life out of you or vice versa. If you're, if you're a technician, 
it may drain you to be a manager or to have to hold the vision for the company. And so that's why it's so important to put a team together that does what Steve said, which is fill, fill the gaps and figure out which role you need to play in order for you to be fulfilled and not to be burned out. So thank you for indulging my long-winded response. This is Monica yeah. in the turquoise ring and I'm out. Well, it's exactly what we talked about, both of us. And we talked about a lot about delegation because especially first-time newly entrepreneurs, and then also some seasons, and that's more about control. Newly entrepreneurs is more about budget. But this is this is exactly what Steve and I were just talking about, if anybody missed the interview, uh, Steve Strauss, and he has a new book called Small Business Boom, if you missed it. And this is what's so crucial, is that people burn out from doing the activities that they don't really like to do. It doesn't mean that we're not good at a lot of things. We are. And we talk about working in your genius at, at Kobe. That's been the thrust of our organization since we started five years ago. And, and I'm with Einstein on this. Um, Einstein has a quote that it goes something like this. If you try to teach a fish how to fly, he will spend his whole life feeling he is stupid. He believed everyone has their own genius. And so do I. I'm with Einstein on this. And tapping into that, if you know where your your flow state is, that that place where you just, I would do this 24 hours a day and not even get paid for it if you didn't need to pay the mortgage or your staff or whatever. I mean, it's what it's what you do that absolutely, it's, it's better than chocolate and champagne. I mean, it's just what you absolutely love and, and it never feels like work. Uh, Larry King in a conversation one time had said to me, we, we were, I don't know, we were, it was over in Beverly Hills. And I remember that now that actually I was interviewing him for something. It wasn't TV, but it was something else at that time. And, and he said, I get paid to do what I love to do. And I really feel that that's a philosophy that all of us, that all of us, if we take that look at our businesses, I get paid to do what I love to do. So whether it's coaching, it's, authoring a book it's a keynote speaker it's working with the corporations it's whatever the work might be that you love and and all the rest of it that's where the burnout comes from that's where the people give up that's where you can't make profit because none of us can go 24 7 and i know some people think of that as a badge of honor i do not that is not a well-rounded person and that's a sure that's your sure method to burn out is trying to do everything 24 seven. You cannot. The other thing I want to address is when you do hire someone, whether that's your first team person, it's your first assistant is you don't want to clone yourself and people make that mistake. They like someone and people used to, when we were first hiring back when we first started this business and I would have people say, Oh, I want to be a speaker. I want to be a coach. That's what I want to do. I don't need another speaker. I don't need a coach. I need a strong, a strong person who understands technology, who understands social media, or whatever it was that we were looking for, or admin. That's what I need. I don't need to complement my, I need to have someone have the skills that complement mine, but not to duplicate mine. So I think that's another mistake that we make by not moving forward with, with getting some help and then working so that we can, we can do what we do best. And I actually had one of my clients, he was going through this, he had, he'd sold his tech company and he decided he was going to stay on the beach. I mean, he he could. And so he, in, in his mid thirties or somewhere along that age, and he said, so I went to the beach for about six months and then I realized I had no playmates. And so then he came to me because he wanted to become on the world stage for speaking and leadership and, and becoming known for, for a leader and thought leader. And so we were working through his program and we got to know each other pretty well in the process. And he, he said, this is what you need to do. And I'm going to say this to everyone who's listening. This is what we need to do. You need to work, and we called it the genius. Yes, we need to work on our genius. 
and he's, he, he put out my, and, and I really encourage you to do this after we get off this, you know, you, when you're, you know, tonight, when you're thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow, think about what it is you really love to do best in your business and where your clients really find, they come to you with the compliments and tell you how you're helping them and how you're succeeding and how you've helped them and whether they've grown financially or personally or professionally or all of the above, write out what you really love to do. And I know it's become cliche, but, you know, people say, do what you do best and delegate the rest. That's really the only way to scale. It's the only way to avoid burnout. And it's the only way you're going to become profitable if you have other people with you. I mean, look at us on Breakfast with Champions, how much we learn from each other, how to do our businesses better, how to do our life better. Um, we, we're all learning. It's all about collaboration. It's really hard to be a one-person island and scale and be as successful as you want to be and enjoy the journey. Because to me, if you're not enjoying the ride, then I don't know what it's worth, uh, any of it. So anybody else have any thoughts on this? Anybody's here? Sarah just joined us. Hi, Sarah. Yes, please. Hey, who said that? Jude, this is Jeffrey. Hi, Jeffrey. I've known Steve for 50 years. Wow. I was best man at his wedding. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Were you here during the interview, Jeffrey? Uh, just a bit, but I was here on his previous interview. Um, I'd like to share a follow-up on something you were talking about and then give a Steve Strauss story. Oh, I would love that. Okay. What you're talking about, um, I went to this gentleman in Boston, and he was um, my ADD coach. My family said, you're so brilliant, but you got ADD. So so I went to online with him, and this is going to be about do your genius and love it and what you just – pronounce and it's just so brilliant but i teach young children i teach middle school children adobe and i do online adobe workshops for children not to learn the the product but to learn how to see and go out in the world and follow their dreams but what the coach said in boston was follow your core values and then do every day something towards your core values every day. And I think that succincts it. I think that brings it into um, a really brilliant, um, and, and I teach the children that to, to follow their core values. And it's exactly what you're saying. It's just in the core values word. That's great. Thank you, Jeffrey. And then you said you had a, you had a Steve Strauss story for us. I followed him through 17 book projects and also, you know, being a kid, you know, growing up together and shooting hoops and taking each other to the hospital when we, when we got sick or, or broke our skinned our knees. And, and it was just brilliant um, bringing, being friends with Steve and watching him, you know, do his thing. We have yet to do small business projects together and um, we're scheming right now. And I really appreciate um, having him. I've been in Clubhouse longer than he um, joined Breakfast and have you all listen to his success and following him through 17 books is amazing. I wanted to ask him a question about how is it being a book, you know, publisher every time your book comes out, does it enhance your, your own business and your own revenue and things like that. Um, but I'm really proud of him. Um, and I'm enjoying the new book. Oh yeah. Well, I am glad you must have an advanced copy because he told me he had a few when I first spoke with him earlier. Yeah, he's, he, he's put, he dropped one in the mail. I haven't, I haven't read it yet, but he, you know, he's been sharing, you know, like late night, he'll be writing at 12 in the morning and he, he, he gets an, an itch and calls me and we just chat, you know, I said, how's it going? Oh, I'm on the last chapter. You know, so. <laughs> 
Well, he told me he'd never write a book again because it's just like blah, 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 blah. And he says, I've got a secret, you know, and it was like six months. Uh, I got another secret and I'm not going to tell you because he doesn't want to give out the juice that's inside the secret. And that's kind of a lot of people do that when they're doing a movie or something. They don't tell about it until it's actually happening. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm exactly the same way. I mean, when I was, I mean, exactly the same way. I didn't know that about Steve. I didn't know that we shared that. But I always like when I was up for my 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 talk show, uh, one of the talk shows, and it was a big talk show live and big market and everything. And and there were 600 other women uh, who wanted to who were also up for this show. And so so I never told anybody because I said then I have to go around and tell everybody, hey, I didn't I didn't get it. You know, in this case, I did get it. So either way, it was celebrating. But but I understand that, and it's also the fact is that I think sometimes if you start telling your ideas too soon, what's inside you, they get diluted by other people's opinion, you know, in their history and whatever. And that can sometimes not be to your advantage. Uh, so I think, Jeffrey, I, I, I'm sorry that you weren't here to ask him that question because it's a good question and it would have been fun for the two of you to reminisce right here on Clubhouse, even though you talk all the time. So that he was just great input. Split, and, I, and I got in late, but it's, it's all good and we'll have him back. Yeah, we will. That's a great idea. And I think it's I great that you're... you. I do a show called Legacy and I uh -huh. talk about people's core values. And um, and so um, I'm on the IBM network that goes uh, globally and we're getting ready to launch that show. But I've got about 12 in the hamper. And last week I um, I interviewed Suze and she's the four supreme. Oh, interesting. And and she was brilliant and she talked about the children and she talked about nfts and and about about you know teaching the children she didn't get into anything you know racial just some great old stories um but i'd love to have you on and and glenn and anybody else from breakfast um because i'm ge gearing up to do a sizzle reel to send uh, my legacy um show to netflix Wow, that would be great fun, Jeffrey. And as I told Steve, it's really fun for an interviewer to be interviewed, you know, and that's what it's I always get a kick out of it when I'm on the other side of the microphone. So I'd very much like to do with that. And I just, yeah, well, you uh, can so, interview me. No one's ever interviewed me. I'll come on. Breakfast. Well, <laughs> see, I'll, you'll come on breakfast and I'll come on legacy and we'll, there we'll have a show. So that yeah, all works sure. out. Thank you very sure. much. And sure. and also, I will send you a back channel when I'm off when I'm off right now. But um, I do th I appreciate your input. I think it's fun that, you know, Steve, and I just want to take it, open it up one more more time if anyone else thank you jeffrey anyone else has any questions or offerings before we uh turn it over at the 11 30 hour we got a few more minutes here but if you do this is the time to please ask it make your contribution comments thoughts um and i see miss lolita joined in and and billy joined in billy samoya we got to bring billy up if we can find billy billy where is he i want to bring him up here if he'd like to be up here there we go, Billy. Um, but if you don't know Billy Samoya, he just joined us. And he, he I don't know if he's going to be able to have time to come on stage or not, but uh, he is the podcast expert and very beloved here on uh, Clubhouse. So I'm glad he's listening to us. He doesn't have time to pop on right now. And now this is, again, is it was, it was brilliant what Steve had to say. And I want to remind anyone who did just pop in to listen to us. It's Steve. His, the book is under Stephen Strauss. He likes to be called Steve. And the book is called Small Business Boom. You can order it today on Amazon. And I would encourage everyone, I haven't read the book yet because it's just out today, but I am ordering it for myself and for the members of Kobe, our Collaboration of Brilliant Entrepreneurs program, a membership program to become a, a more brilliant entrepreneur with revenue and not working 24-7, more time freedom. And that's exactly what Steve was talking about for today. 
And, and he talks about everything from how to use your webinars to live stream funnels, finding bigger clients, uh, generating money while you sleep. And it is not everybody, it is not just a cliche. It may be a different idea, a mind shift, if you will, to start thinking that way. And, and I did too, by the way, which is one of the reasons I popped on, on, on Clubhouse to learn more about social media, because I always thought everything had to be in person and have my fine hand on everything. It does not. I mean, I've always been good at delegating, but I mean, in terms of wanting for the coaching, there's so many ways to reach our clients and clients. And when we think about how much they need, what we have to offer them. So I will encourage everyone to pick up a copy of Steve's book. You can order it on Amazon. And, and as they say, read it. And then, hey, you know what? We should start this little club. Anybody who reads this book, let's start our own club. And you can DM me if you have the book. And then we'll just start saying what, we, what value we got out of it. Because most of us are entrepreneurs, some solo entrepreneurs, and some are you know, seasoned entrepreneurs, like in our Kobe Master, some are just new entrepreneurs. That first one to three years, by the way, I will add this. I, I didn't mention it to Steve, and he didn't either. We are very process-driven in Kobe, I, extremely process-driven. And the reason being, it's just like large corporations. They have an SOP, Standard Operating Procedures. So do you need this because it will help you be more productive you will be saving time and you will also increase increase your opportunity for revenue because if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, we even have a system, a process for how our phones are answered. There's a certain way that our phones need to be answered and, and it sounds like, well, I can just teach someone to answer the phone. No, 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 you need, and I'm not talking about phone scripts here. I'm talking about process, how things are handled. Everything that we do, is process, and that's why Kobe's process, because the processes start the conversation when we get together for our for our quarterlies. And we are going to be doing it online. And if anybody's interested, you know, send me a DM on that. But also send me a DM to get our delegation. We have a clarity a clarity PDF for you that gets you thinking about your business, and it gets you thinking about delegation. And when I say clarity, this is really crucial, everybody. Who's listening? Please hear this: the clarity about your business. I thought I knew what business I was in until I asked my clients. And then I found out I was in a different business. I thought I was in the communication business, coaching people for media and for their speaking and for um, getting on stages and leading meetings and interacting with analysts and boards of directors and, and speakers who wanna become better speakers. I thought I was in the communication field, which I am. But my client said, you were in the transformational leadership field. I did not know that, they told me. So once you know what real business you're in, and I'll give you a really quick analogy. There was a reporter interviewing the, uh, the founder of Rolex watches, and the reporter made the mistake of saying, well, you're in the watch business. And the CEO said, no, 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 I'm in the luxury status business. And so maybe that's why they can charge $35,000 for a watch that tells time, the same as your Timex watch might, but it isn't a Rolex. So anyway, clarity on your business. We got clarity and we raised our fees. So there you have it. I just want to say this was a wonderful opportunity to be here with Steve Strauss and everyone who chimed in, who joined us on stage and all the mods who are here with us. And I do want to turn it over to Miss Lolita in just a moment. And she's always such a treat to hear. And Lolita, I owe you a public thank you. I thank you on the side for doing it. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat 
at the table.